Hi, everybody, and welcome to RV Miles, your home for RV and camping news, reviews, travel guides, and more. I'm Jason. And I'm Abby, and this is episode 64 of the RV Miles podcast. To get today's show notes, head over to rvmiles.com slash podcast. You can also keep up with RV Miles on social media over at Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube now for RV Miles, in case anyone didn't know. And Jason and I are over at OurWanderingFamily.com, and so are Jack, Ethan, and Henry. And you can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Pinterest, and YouTube. YouTube? I say know, that like I... you didn't just say YouTube like <laughs> 10 seconds ago. I said it almost like it was a question, like YouTube? YouTube? <laughs> are we actually over there? Yes, we are. I Let's just get it this out into the open. I do not feel well, and this is going to be a really interesting and podcast. And I'm going to take advantage of that fully. <laughs> Probably. My, <laughs> my voice and my body are here, but my brain is in bed. All right. We're going to have fun, though. We are. On we have today. a very good topic to finally talk about, which is Mount Rushmore. Yeah. So on today's episode, we are going to wrap up our Black Hills experience with a tour of Mount Rushmore. That's just going to be our final segment. But before that, we're going to take a handful of listener questions and just run through the gamut of a whole bunch of different topics in the middle segment of the show. That plus we've got news, a new brain teaser, the answer to last week's brain teaser, and a whole lot more. But first, this episode is sponsored by L.L. Bean. This year, L.L. Bean is joining up with the National Park Foundation. They are the official nonprofit partner of the National Park Service to help you find your happy place. In an amazing system of more than 400 national parks in which we happen to just be 15 miles from one tonight, we are near Zion. And that also, in addition to Zion, includes historic and cultural sites, monuments, preserves, lakeshores, and seashores that dot the American landscape, many of which you'll find just a short trip from home. L.L. Bean is proud to be an official partner of the National Park Foundation, and you can discover your perfect day in a park at findyourpark.com. Our boys, uh, all three of them, were wearing their Find Your Park t-shirt today in in Zion from L.L. Bean. Their Find uh, Your Park swag. (laughs) Yeah, they're pretty cool t-shirts. Um, we always get asked about them. We do. Every time they wear them. So if you want to find your park t-shirt, L.L. Bean sells them. Yeah. There's just something about your kids wearing the same. I used to hate, 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 hate when my mom dressed me like my brother. We were always dressed the same when it was like special events or things like that. And luckily our kids don't care. <laughs> they Luckily they don't. And actually, we don't do it very often. We don't our, do it very much. No. It's really only if they're wearing something like a yeah. find your park or, you know, some kind of yeah. like kitschy little t-shirt or something, Star Wars or, you know, something like that. But we don't See, normally dress them the same I, from head to toe. My brother and I had these red sweatshirts that had like a... Did they have your initials on no, them? No, like no, was no, it no, like, no, no, no. was like a, a Weasley sweater? They had a giant, like, uh, I can't remember what the word for it is, but it's like a giant, it's a giant teddy bear sewn on the front of them. Like a, like as, as a, like a patch, like there's a word for that. I don't know what it is, but I'm just, these were red sweatshirts with a giant teddy bear that had a bow, like a real bow on the teddy bear, like real ribbon. Uh huh. Yes. 
I'm I'm here. I am here for you on this yeah. one. So please keep going. Yeah. So <laughs> how old were you? 12, 13, 16? Okay, I'm sorry. 14. 14, right? No, when I was 14, uh, I then had two more younger brothers and they were wearing the teddy they bear sweatshirts. They were wearing the teddy bear. I had a teddy bear dress. And my mom actually made that dress for me. It was a t-shirt dress. I don't know if anyone remembers these from the 80s. They were really popular. You'd buy a white t-shirt and then, and it'd be extra long. So she bought one that would come, you know, like past, you know, close to my knees or something. Then she bought material and it was teddy bear print. And she used that material. She sewed it onto the bottom of the t-shirt, like in layers of the skirt. And then we ironed on this really adorable teddy bear that we then outlined in puffy paint. And that was the last time Abby used an iron. (laughs) I didn't iron it on. I was eight. My mom did. But you wanted that, right? Right. So the trend continues. I don't use an iron. Oh, applique. That's the word I was looking for. A giant teddy bear applique on the front. So I worshipped that dress though whereas I think you really disliked your teddy bear sweater I we got to the point where I do recall my mom being like you have grown too much you're too tall now to keep (laughs) wearing your teddy bear t-shirt dress and I actually think that she still has it tucked up in the attic somewhere she was saving it for when I had a daughter we all know how that worked out so (laughs) still She'll just have to keep it up in the attic. Okay. Where, wow. Where, where are we going now? Well, I, you know what? This is me on decongestant, so, which let's, is not really much different than any other week when I go off on a tangent. Let's dive into the news. Uh, first of all, I thought this was uh, just a great story. I first ran across this on social media. Somebody shared it in our America's National Parks group, and now I'm seeing it in the New York Times A Michigan photographer is asking for help from the internet. He took this just absolutely amazing photo of a couple getting engaged on Taft Point at Yosemite on October 6th. And if you see it, the Taft Point is sort of a, it's a rock outcropping over, you know, a giant vast ravine of nothingness. And this couple is out by themselves on this rock. The guy's down on his on his knee and he's proposing. And uh, this it, the photo looks staged. It looks photoshopped. It looks totally unreal. And it's a pretty awesome engagement. Anyway, how do we know the guy's not just tying his shoe? I don't know. I'm just no, asking. He could be. No, what he, if he's no, just clear, bending it, down it looks to get like something? It sure, it sure looks like he's holding a ring. And he's holding his hands up to her and he's on one knee. Yeah, honey, but, can you help me tie my shoe? So the photographer was across the way with like a telephoto lens far away. And, and you know, they're very small and there's just this big openness. And it's a beautiful oh, picture. And so, I'm sorry, I'm a complete cynic, though. I'm like, they just so happen to be there and just so happens to be a photographer with a telephoto lens perfectly positioned. Across, I mean, imagine how many people are taking a picture of this amazing location. I imagine, but they're also completely by themselves, so there is no one else around. There's only quite enough room for two people out on the. But nobody's waiting to get out on the rock. Could be on the other side. Okay, I hope the story is true. I'm sorry I'm being so negative, but it's just too many perfect 
it's just too perfect for me to buy it. Anyway. But I hope I improve. I hope they prove me wrong. I would like them to prove me wrong, and I would like for it to be well, a true story. Well, let's prove Abby wrong. <laughs> Interwebs help <laughs> find these people. So, if you want to go to the National Parks Group, the America's National Parks Facebook Group, you can find it there. I'll link to the tweet uh, from this photographer in the show notes as well, so you can see the photo. It's it's beautiful. Next up, a Jeep club. This is a club of like Jeep Wrangler owners who who sort of tour around and go off-roading and stuff like that have rescued a RVer who was stranded in a flooded lake bed and Joshua Tree National Park. It's a full-timer who was uh, had his RV parked in, in a spot that all of a sudden filled up with water and he was completely stranded in the middle of a lake. And this uh, this crew of Jeeps, and there's a great photo of it happening, pushed him out. This Jeep gang is <laughs> so cool. I want to be in this club. This is the club I've always wanted to be in. This guy, set he set up his RV Friday night, last Friday night, on the Coyote Dry Lake Bed, or Coyote, as people out here say, ready to camp with enough food and water for two weeks. And... Uh, that dry lake bed turned out to be not so dry. <laughs> well, he said he saw that there was a 90% chance of rain. And still uh, thought it was a good idea? Well, he thought he, he he hadn't gotten a notice of a flash flood warning on his phone yet. So he went to bed. <laughs> like, how would you like to wake up to that? So, Well, what he woke up to was other campers spinning their tires trying to get out. And uh, as oh, so he wasn't alone. There were several of them who thought this was a good idea. Uh, But the others had gotten out, and but this off-road Jeep club, the Stumpers, off-road Jeep club, showed up just in time. Boy, I really hope and pull them out of there. We're not going to need a Jeep club. Well, I don't know that a Jeep club can push Bussy (laughs) out of here. We're so we are. We we should mention we 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 were in Salt Lake City last weekend, uh, and we'll have a lot to talk about that on a future episode. But uh, we are now boondocking outside of Zion National Park. About 15, 20 miles outside of the yeah, park. Yeah, we, we stayed in the park for two nights at the Watchman Campground, which is wonderful. I love but, that campground. Uh, Every time we stay there, yeah. I fall more and more in love with it. But we were in the A loop this time, yeah. and that was new for us. Well, they've shut down the B loop because they're going to be doing some sort of maintenance. We, we actually talked to the new park manager and I, I guess they're going to be paving the gravel sites just like the A-Loop. Yeah, they're going to pave and they're also putting in new picnic tables and fire rings. Which, and, I mean, it was actually a really nice campground in the first place. But but I think because it's bumped up against the yeah. A-Loop and you see how nice and new the A-Loop looks, yeah. people probably were like, why can't I have an B what you have an A? And also they are closing the A-Loop for a week. Starting on the yeah, 22nd. Yeah, so there'll be no RV camping no. For, for a weekend sign. But because of this, the B-Loop closure, there's not a lot of space, spots available no, right now. Anything. So now over the weekend, we're boondocking uh, on some BLM land, about a half hour drive into the park. A lot of RVers around us. Um, really nice, beautiful location with terrible, terrible, terrible roads. Oh man, these roads get are into. <laughs> But it's fun over here because yeah. there's some families and kids. And then we've also met a couple, we've met a lot of full-time people actually, but also a lot of people coming around here with their dirt bikes and their ATVs. And the kids really like watching them wheel around and, you know, jump these little bumps and hills and stuff all over the area. So 
while we were in Salt Lake City, we had a fantastic time. And one of the things that I did that I didn't tell you about, uh, I oh great, I, please I, tell me about it right now no, on the I podcast. I keep meaning to tell you about it. I keep meaning to <laughs> because so after you went to bed, I was working out in the out in the uh, outer room of the, the living room the area, hotel room, and I uh, I was watching the premiere of Camping on HBO. Oh, new series with Jennifer Garner and David Tennant. And, I love uh, David Tennant Julia so much. Lewis, a lot of lot of names in this uh, Lena Dunham show. You just it looked at me. You just raised your eyebrows. Absolutely terrible. Oh, don't tell me that. So so bad. This is one of the worst. Like you know, shows with big money behind it. That I have ever seen. I was so excited to see, you know, a show, a real, a full series, not just a, you know, a movie or something no, it's a, like, about camping, a full series about camping. Jennifer Garner plays a character. Do you remember the episode of Full House when they went to Hawaii and Bob Saget's character, Danny, had like a clipboard with um, like yes. everything that they were going to be doing yes. scheduled up into the minute? That was an epic episode. That was yeah, like that's the the Beach Boys were on, yeah. and Uncle Jesse played with them. Yeah, my you know. mom called me in on Friday <laughs> night from playing with my friends because Full House was on, and I needed to watch. Anyway, Jennifer Garner's character is Danny Tanner Danny from Tanner. that episode throughout the whole thing, not in a funny way. Well, I read something in USA Today that was talking about how so the creators, who are the creators of Girls. They've actually never been camping before. Yeah, well, they that have was the problem. <laughs> zero, they have zero idea of what camping truly is or how it flows. But the flip side to this article, because it was a review of the show, was they pretty much mentioned everything that you just said. But they did say that David Tennant was just absolutely adorable. I he, love him. Okay, he's the 10th yeah, doctor. He's, he's, but he, he's my guy. Can I say, and normally this goes the other way around, his English accent, or I mean, sorry, his American accent. His American accent is absolutely terrible. No, <laughs> it's so bad. Maybe it's supposed to be Maybe bad. It is. Though. I don't know. I mean, because but, he's phenomenal. I mean, normal, like Broad Church, he's here's so the thing, good. Though, a, a group of excellent actors can save a bad comedy script. They cannot save a terrible comedy script. Yeah, nobody's gonna save that. <laughs> nobody's. It's Nobody. just, just bad. I, I'm, I'm sorry. But if you like it. it and you're listening, yeah. don't I, listen I a, to Jason. I have a friend on this show. I know he will never listen to this ep <laughs> this podcast. He's not an RVer. Unless so. I send it to him. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh, it's bad. Anyway, so don't check that out. We're skipping app of the week. This week, Jason just wants <laughs> to give you some television recommendations for the week. And what he's telling you is do not watch camping. <laughs> we also wanted to mention, of course, as we do nearly every week, when we remember too that our new National Parks podcast episode is out. This one we really enjoyed putting together. This is about... This is like the law and order of <laughs> NPS. It's about how the National Park Service deals with theft. And primarily, we were focusing on this episode on cactus theft, which is a major problem. It is actually the main threat to cactus. We also talk quite a bit about tree theft on this episode, which is... I guess 10 to 30% of lumber sales are black market sales. That is. It's trees are, con that, trees I, are considered. I can't even finish that sentence. They call, they call it the new ivory because old growth trees 
don't exist in forested lands anymore. And people want the, this old growth wood, these wide boards, big grain for showpiece furniture and, and for musical instruments primarily. You know, they go for thousands and thousands of dollars a tree. I just don't understand that. I don't understand how any material possession is worth yeah, well, and then down so then people so are going old. into national parks and cutting a tree down, which is, you know, a federal crime and it's probably not smart. Uh, but this episode primarily focuses on saguaro. Oh, I said it wrong. Saguaro. saguaro. Like we've been saying saguaro. saguaro cactus all our life. That's Ever because we're from the Midwest. Let's the Snoopy comic strips with what Snoopy's cousin's name that lives in the Southwest. Uh, and he's always by us. Isn't it Joe? Sorrow. Yes, Joe. Joe. The old Joe or something like that. I don't I know. know. Somebody will tell us. Jack probably knows. It's <laughs> in his Snoopy comic book. And Ethan has been wanting to see a saguaro cactus for so long. He, he calls him the ones with the arms. Anyway, Jack's yelling at us from the other room that uh, that Snoopy's cousin's name is Spike. And I bet a lot Joe. of people are yelling at their Because Snoopy was Joe Cool phone. and Spike. Yes, is. yes. So, Spike because cactuses are spiky. Wow. Anyway, people want saguaro cacti in their front yards. Isn't there an insurance commercial <laughs> for farmers about a guy that has a giant cactus in his backyard? He's having a barbecue and he has a giant saguaro in his backyard and it falls over onto the house. I hope that was there to begin with and the house was built around it and that it's not black market cacti on that commercial. Saguaro, <laughs> the saguaro's take forever to 100, grow. 125 years? 125 years to be considered an adult. We're literally just doing the entire podcast of America's National Parks right now. So let's, Anyway, they go for just, like $200 yeah. a foot. People steal them from the National Park and from the surrounding areas. And there have been some innovative ways that the, the park is trying to protect from that. And I'll just leave it at that and you can check out the rest of it on that episode. We also want to mention we have RV chat coming up on Twitter again this Sunday night at 8 p.m. Central. This week we're going to be talking boondocking. So if you're on Twitter, make sure to come join us there at 8 p.m. Follow the hashtag RV chat and uh, just follow along the questions and answer them or just kind of linger if you've never done a Twitter chat before. That's cool too. That's cool. You Stalking just, you is can completely just like answers cool. And, yeah. and, and retweet people and yeah. retweet and whatever. Finally, if you're in the RV Miles Facebook group, you have seen this video probably. If you're not, you should go over there to see it, but I'll put it in the show notes as well. There's a video of a bus. It's either a large RV conversion or just a, a tour bus. It looks like bus. a tour bus to me. Traveling over a bridge that has, uh, it's a single lane suspension bridge that has a sign out in front of it that says 10,000 pound gross vehicle weight rating max. And this bus easily weighs 40,000 pounds. And it is unbelievable. Oh. You can see the bridge completely flex and sag with the bus driving out into the middle of it. I can't imagine the feeling of being on that bus. You can't tell if there's people in the bus or not. Yeah. It's, you know, can't but, tell, but I'm just thinking if there were people in the bus, it just had to have been complete. Either just dead silent as everyone is 
paralyzed with fear or they're just screaming their heads off at yeah. that driver. I mean, bridges are made to flex a bit, but oh, this, this is, bus weighs this, yeah. easily four times what This is beyond be flex. Yeah. This is a straight up deep dip. Yeah. Like, it's a, like the bridge, bridge turns into a smiley face. And now it's a smiley, it's a frowning face <laughs> to a smiley face. Yeah, it was really, it it's was wild. pretty intense to watch. On that note, let's take a break. And when we come back, we are going to have first the answer to last week's brain teaser. And then we're going to take some listener questions, which I'm kind of excited about. And we should mention we have new music this week in between segments. This particular piece that's coming up was actually composed by Jack with a little help from his dad. L- little garage band fun here. Little garage band fun. Jack is Jack. very excited to be premiering his work on the RV Miles podcast. So stick around. We'll be right back. All right, we're back with the answer to last week's brain teaser, which went like this. If you have three, you have three. If you have two, you have two. But if you have one, you have none. What is it? What are my choices again? (gasps) Oh, you said it. (laughs) The answer is choices. If you have three options you have three choices if you have two you have two choices but if you only have one choice you really don't have a choice at all do you no you really don't (laughs) our winner this week is kevin dupont from georgia who will be receiving a not all who won or lost t-shirt and you will have a chance to win yours at the end of this show with this week's new brain teaser okay we're going to get into some listener questions here but first, this segment is sponsored by Boondockers Welcome. Built by RVers for RVers, Boondockers Welcome offers a unique and inspiring way to travel, connecting you, the RVer, with welcoming local hosts that have overnight RV parking to spare. Boondockers Welcome is built on the spirit that kindness and generosity abound. And for only $30 a year, you too can arrange as many stays as you like to pass a night with those who love the RV lifestyle as much as you do. And best of all, Boondockers Welcome is offering RV Miles listeners 10% off an annual guest privilege subscription with coupon code RVMILES. And that's going to be all one word. So you will have this entire subscription for a year. And then you can book for free as many boondocking nights with hosts across the country as you would like. And there are a lot of them. Like, you know, you're not going to be able to full time staying at Boondockers Welcome places, you know. No, but you don't want to. No. Like, don't do that. That's not what this is for. No, that's but a bad for idea. overnight stops, and sometimes they let you stay two, three days, more even. But uh, for overnight stops, this is just, it, it's to pull into somebody's driveway or on their on their big piece of land, on their farm, and uh, and stay for the weekend. And Hey, it beats wall docking and boon barrel <laughs> any day. You know what I'm saying? So 10% off. 
an annual guest subscription privilege pass with the coupon code RVMILES. Head over to boondockerswelcome.com to sign up and get started today, or we'll have a link in the show notes. All right, let's get to our listener questions. And this first one we've pulled from the RV Miles Facebook group, and we will be happy to answer questions for you there if you have them, if you want to join us over there. Um, We did this for Judy as well, but we also thought we might answer it real quick on the show. She wanted to know what we do for Wi-Fi and, you know, internet cell service on, on the road. So what we do is we just have two Verizon cell phones. That's it. That's all we have. That doesn't mean it's not expensive. It's still really it's expensive. It's still expensive. We have unlimited data on our phones, and then we each have our own hotspot, which is 15 gigabytes yeah. each, so 30 total. And we could upgrade our plan. There is another plan that offers 20 gigabytes a piece, I believe. Yeah. The, there's a lot of things out there, too, that through different travel yeah, groups where you can buy you into can, these unlimited plans. Yeah, you, you can, can buy can, them on eBay. Yeah. They're a weird place. But the thing is, none of those sort of unlimited plans that you can buy out there are totally kosher with the cell provider. They're all a little bit under the radar. And sometimes there's a big fee up front and you don't know if that is going to get taken away from you because Companies like Verizon have shut down some of these companies. Now, some people have a, have had a lot of success with that route and some people do it and that that is an option for you. I do suggest if you want to get really deep into using a lot of data to go to the Internet for RVers uh, Facebook group or rvmobileinternet.com, the people at Technomadia have created this resource, which is really fantastic, full of super geeky info, but also really base level info for anybody. Verizon definitely has the best network, but AT&T is close behind. Yeah. And we've been struggling a little bit with Verizon there here are some in the West. It's not been easy. What, what a lot of people do is they have one cell phone from Verizon and one cell phone from AT&T. And often that, that helps them get better coverage. T-Mobile offers some, some great options cheaply but they're only really available uh, in in a much smaller area. And I bet if we really looked into it, we could probably play some numbers game a little bit and maybe even like the data game a little bit. But frankly, I'm too lazy to do that. I'm too tired all the time. It's like at the very, 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 very bottom of my list of things to do. But But I'm sure if we did, we could probably come up with something better than what we're paying that might get us a little bit more, yeah. but we just haven't done it yet. We haven't had the desperate need to do it. We also take advantage of free Wi-Fi at places uh, like coffee shops and McDonald's and yeah, and whatever now and then. And um, also because it gives the kids an opportunity and we are absolutely fine with this. It gives them an opportunity to go as well and have their devices and get caught up on their YouTube videos. You know, Ethan and Henry really love this How to Train Your Dragon Minecraft thing they've been watching. And they can't do that when we're camping because we don't have Wi-Fi. So we do take advantage of those because we can take the kids with us and we can have a few hours where everyone just gets to like zone out and watch some cartoons and do their thing on their device. And then we come back and we've got that out of our system and we go along with our day. But look, we run... Uh, RV Miles, uh, the America's National Parks podcast, our 
performing arts website, Performing, both in Kansas City and Chicago. Uh, we and do, our wandering family. And our wandering family and, our, our, and uploading these podcasts uh, and YouTube videos. And we do that all through our Verizon phones and from time to time, internet at, um, at different coffee houses and whatever. We never have access to internet at a campground. Never, you know, Wi-Fi from the campground. Even if it exists, it's always not even worth trying. It's so terrible. The big trick though, I mean, living this lifestyle does involve some sacrifices. Either you can pay a ton of money and have a ton of data, but the big trick for us is you just don't stream video with your hotspot. No, we that's don't it. Do that. I mean, if you, I know everybody wants to be out and watch Netflix and, and on a rainy day and enjoy that, but we just don't do that. And that takes up massive, massive, massive amounts of data. You've, no, I mean, no, we do it on our phones when we're on LTE. Yeah, so That's you can, fine, we but watch, we don't we do it on it the all. television. We just watch it on our phones. Yeah. You can get a tablet. You can watch it on your tablet if you get a tablet with a data plan. Or you can get a cord that can plug into your TV and you can watch it on your TV without tethering. That way with some phones and, and some plans. Just don't watch the video. And what you can also do on Netflix and Amazon Prime, you can download some shows. So when, you're, when you do have a wide Wi-Fi signal somewhere, you can download a show to watch later. And, and that can help a little bit uh, saving on data. But that actually mainly helps us when we're somewhere where we get no service, which does exist. You know, there are places where we don't get Verizon signal. And what we normally do is check Campendium reviews. Campendium is a great review website that aggregates a uh, whole bunch of stuff for every campsite, but also whether or not there was cell service at that campground. It asks every reviewer to leave a cell service review and you can check there. So we usually make sure before we go somewhere that we're going to get signal there. So that's what we do. We also want to mention though, that we bought a $700 Wi-Fi Ranger when we first built Bussy and we never ever use it. Newbie mistake. <laughs> so Wi-Fi Ranger is, is an antenna that picks up signals and it's, you know, they'll say on the box, it, it goes up to two miles and it has been useful in a few places, but we would have been much better off spending that money on a cellular booster, which boosts cell phone signal instead of a Wi-Fi booster, which picks up Wi-Fi signals. The other night we were in a Walmart parking lot. We boondocked one night in a Walmart parking lot and we could not pick up Walmart's signal from it. We could not pick up the McDonald's next door, the Starbucks next door. We couldn't pick anybody's signal on it up enough. I mean, you could see them on there at the very bottom of the list with one little bar, not usable. So don't spend your money on that. Spend your money on a, on a cellular booster. Get a good data plan from your cell company and you'll be set to go. Ooh, that was, well, that lengthy. was one question. Man, Man we're going to be here a for segment. a long time, Jason. I'm sorry. We only got a couple questions. We're not doing a ton of these. The next one, Brooke asked about laundry. This was also in the Facebook. Whether it's group. worth having in your rig, uh, you can get the, the big RV washer and dryer units or whether you should go to the laundromat and how does that work? And do you like it? And all that sort of stuff. You want to tackle this one? 
Why? Because I do the laundry around yes. here. Yeah. Hey, hey, whoa, hold on. You will not let me do, touch the laundry. No, you won't I let me have won't. anything to do with the laundry. No, because you'll dry things that shouldn't be dried. You'll look, I got a system. Even though I'm the only one that knows how to use an iron or sew on a button well, in this household. Do we have an iron in this butt? Do no. we have an iron in this bus? No. No. Okay. So there you go. So <laughs> we do not have a washer and dryer in the bus. We discussed it when we were building it, but we decided we didn't want to take up the room for it. In addition to having kind of like a full size, essentially a full size washer and dryer that you can have and that some rigs come with or going to a laundromat, you can also purchase the like foot pumped ones like that. It's like a single load. There's or a lot. There's just like the medium sized ones. Yeah, there's a lot of don't options. Dry, they just wash. Right. There's a ton of options out there for ways that you could do your laundry at your campsite that doesn't keep you from leaving. We opted to not do any of those, although I kind of think now I might like to have just like one that I could do. Something as a short term stopgap option. Yes. Yeah. But we go to a laundromat and it really works out well for us because I can take, we can generally go about two weeks before I have to do laundry. Now, I understand like in Brooke's case and others, when you have really small little people with you, that's impossible. Babies just, they go through two, three outfits a day. I totally get that. And wanting, you know, if we had had smaller children on this bus, I probably would have rethought the whole washer thing. But with Henry at five, he's our youngest now. What we're dealing with is not so much like spit up and blowouts as much as it is like, I'm going to go outside and roll around in the dirt for 45 minutes and cover myself in, in mud. So we can go about two weeks before we need to do laundry. And then I just yank it all to the laundromat. Sometimes we all go together. Again, if the laundromat has free Wi-Fi, then the kids enjoy that. Jason gets some work done. Three hours later, bada bing, bada boom. Laundry's done. We're done for two more weeks. The the thing I want to mention too, though, is that one of the main options if you're buying an, an RV washer and dryer is the combo unit, right? So you can get the washer dryer combo. And the thing you have to realize about that is that's going to take a long time, like most of the day, to do one load. It's got to wash it and dry it. And the dryers in RVs do not work anywhere near as well as the one you have at home. They don't, the electric ones don't have enough electricity. The propane ones don't fire as hot as the natural gas ones. They just don't work as well. They take a lot longer. But I should also mention that laundromat dryers that look super awesome, like they would dry everything really quickly and awesomely, are also terrible. Oh, they're awful. I mean, here's And they the keep wanting you put put another quarter in put for 10 quarter. minutes. Put another quarter in. How can I keep putting quarters in if nothing's getting dry? This is definitely a trend. Like we'll go to a laundromat and generally like when we walk in and I scope the place out and I've got like, you know, I want to get my big six loader. I generally just throw everything into one big washer and then maybe, or what I'll usually do is like all of our clothes go into like a six loader, but then towels and things that I want to wash on hot, maybe like sheets and things like that. I will put like into a single loader. Jason can almost guarantee if he's with me that I'm going to come up and either be like, wow, this is a really great price to laundromat. Like the six loader is a really good deal. Or I'm going to come up and I'm going to be like, this is, this is ridiculous. Well, I'm already angry and we've only been here five minutes. And, and it's not a surprise that laundromats are a little bit more expensive in touristy areas. Um, they tend to be not terribly expensive 
in some campgrounds, but some campgrounds really try to rip you off. I was pretty frustrated <laughs> with how expensive the laundromat was in Hot Springs, South Dakota. Yeah. Really frustrated. I, this is another, look, I'm going to give this other one tip about laundromats and then can, let's move on from this. Just be aware of how much time you put into the dryer. So if you start two dryers at the same time, and let's say it's uh, five minutes for a quarter, so you have both dryers going at 15 minutes. This has happened to me a couple of times. One dryer stops significantly sooner. Like I'm talking two to three minutes earlier than the other dryer that I started at the exact same time. And I have zero issue going and finding an attendant and being like, these two dryers started at the exact same time. That dryer has already stopped. And I would like to get my money back from that dryer. I'm not saying that they're scamming. I'm just saying, be aware the dryers are tricky. Yeah. Well, you can also like set a timer on your phone or something too. I do that at pay showers mm-hmm. to make sure that I'm getting the full amount I paid for. <laughs> you get that full five minutes over this, there. This the Zion, Zion Outfitters has been exactly five, five minutes. Five minutes. Yeah. time. It sure has. <laughs> All right. Next question. We're in the process of heading home after a long trip and the drive is lengthy. So we want to be able to use the bathroom and not have to stop all the time. If we do, and they're in, the, they're in a motorhome, I presume here. If we do use the bathroom, can we empty our tanks in our home septic or sewage system? Take it away, Jason. <laughs> the, <laughs> the dump station closest to home is always going to be your best friend if you're an RVer. Because that is a common question. Like, how do I dump my RV on the way home? Do I just not use my water. I'm not just your toilet, your, your sink and, and everything. The last thing you want to do is leave that stuff in your tanks, even if you're just going to be parked for a week or whatever. Yes. If you have an, an access point to do so, and a lot of septic systems or sewage systems have a clean out that is a, it's a hole, just like the hookup at a campground. And if you have that at your house, you can absolutely open that up, stick your hose in it, and dump exactly like you normally would. It's the same stuff. It's going, it's going to the same place. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, uh, but if you don't have that, then you're going to have to find a dump station somewhere. The next question involves winterizing. And obviously this time of year, a lot of people are, are getting into doing that. Though we hope you'll keep camping as long as possible. And you can always camp in a winterized RV. Uh, but this question was about covers. You're curious what our thoughts on covering an RV for the winter uh, are and whether it's worth the cost. We covered this, uh, I think, back on our things you don't need for an RV episode. Not I quite sure. I thought the winterization. It was one article. of the two. Yeah, I don't remember. Anyway, it, it is a personal choice. There are positives and negatives to covering. Uh, the best thing you can have is you know, have your RV garaged or have it under a carport sort of situation, some sort of canopy. But uh, a cover can certainly save your paint job over the years. Uh, There are people that cover their RV that have a paint job that looks fantastic, you know, and the paint jobs that are on these RVs are not like automotive finishes, right? They don't last forever, especially like the decals. Uh, So people have been able to really extend their life of their paint jobs with a good cover. 
the issue is that covers can also damage your paint job if they're not attached well, if they're blowing heavily in the wind. They can also get water underneath them that freezes. And in, instead of running off like it normally would, it gets trapped underneath and freezes, and that can cause issues as well. So the trick is, if you do want a cover, to get a good cover that fits your RV well. Do not get a cheap cover. Do not cover with tarps. If you really want to cover your RV, get a nice, uh, well-reviewed cover to, to form fit to your RV. But the question is, though and I'm going to call you out on it, do you think it's worth the cost? Would you do it? I mean, that's what they emailed us asking. Yeah. So they wanted to know if we would do it, and I don't think we would. I think it kind of depends a little bit on the climate you live in. Yes. Uh, I think if you're, if, you're, if you're somewhere that gets a lot of sun in the winter, that's a good place to do it. If you're somewhere that gets a ton of wind in the winter, I would not do it. Yeah, I think almost what I would say is the money that you would put into buying that cover, take that money if you can and put it into buying a covered storage area for your RV instead. That's what I would do. I would, at the end of the day, I'd rather just have it if, if it's a possibility under a carport or in a garage, a storage garage. Yeah. And, and, you know, it's also going to depend a little bit on the age of your RV and the quality of the roof and all that sort of stuff. Um, But you can try it one year. And if you don't like it, you don't do it the next year too. So, all right. Final question. I'm converting a bus. Yay. A bus conversion. Yeah. This one slid into our DMS on Instagram. We really like your layout, but I'm wondering if there's anything about your setup that you would change. Yeah. There are lots of things (laughs) we would change. We do. How long do you have? We do love our, our setup, but there are, Certainly things that we would change. I think that anybody would change about their house. Uh, but what what's your what's on the top of your list? The top of my list is I would absolutely rethink this whole living room area that we're sitting in right now. We have two two person dinettes and the table can drop down and convert to a couch. Which on either we side. never do. We never ever do that. So what we have is just two dinettes. Yeah. So we don't have enough seating for all five of us to sit and eat. So it doesn't Mm -hmm. even matter. Uh, It is nice to use the table space. I mean, we do use the table space constantly, uh, but we, uh, we don't have enough space for us all to eat, nor do we have enough space for us all to sit and watch TV. We could have accomplished at least one of those things or play a board game or whatever it is. We could have accomplished one of those things by putting in a couch on one side, at least. Yeah. That's the biggest thing for me is you know, our friends, the Rolls, they have a class C. And every time I go into it, one of the things they have is they have a dinette. And then right on the other side of the dinette is two recliners. And that's the first thing my eyes go to are yeah. their recliners. And I think. I think oh, personal man. space that our kids can't get on. Yeah. yeah like that'll happen. <laughs> I, guess, I suppose happen. we could convert one of our dinettes into a couch and leave it that way. Yeah. But at this point, the tables are so essential. It's it's a tough call. But I mean, I just it's There's not as comfy as I too. we thought it was going to yeah. be. And yeah, I would really rethink that. What would you do differently in here? Well, I think most of the layout I'm happy with. There are things about them that I about it that I wouldn't improve. I want to replace our countertops because 
we cheaped out and got laminate. And we I didn't cheap out. We did what our budget afford, yeah, could well, afford at the time. That's cheaping out. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's what but, we could afford. Um, I would I would like to update our countertops. Uh, our shelving actually works really great. We were kind of concerned about shelving and the fact that stuff would fall off of it. Uh, but it does. We have to take stuff down. But we are able to leave a decent amount of stuff up. But I would probably enclose some of it as cabinets. Just some of it. Not much. Uh, so we'd have a little bit of space and maybe put some. Oh, I wouldn't. Maybe put a little higher railing around it or something. Yeah. But I would love to get some butcher block in here. Yeah. Love to pull up these counters and get butcher block. I, don't know. I, I do. I wish we had spray foamed the entire bus for insulation. Mm-hmm. We did. We did rigid foam and cut it and put it and crammed it in every nook, nook and cranny. And we have crazy jigsaw puzzle getting that it was, it was wild and, we, and in the end we thought we were saving money in the end we ended up spending about as much money as it would have cost to just spray foam the whole and thing and taking more time to do it yeah, yeah. yeah so i wish we had done that and it would have been a little bit warmer a little in here. bit warmer in here other than that uh, you know i'm fairly ha- i'm fairly happy with the layout i love general. the layout yeah. i can't imagine us doing anything different but it is just these few sort of like comfort tweaks now that you've lived in it and you've been in it long enough to know what works for you and what doesn't this is like with any home and you get into it and you say okay now I'm here and I don't like this particular thing or this didn't really work out the way we wanted how can we change it up and certainly I think probably within the next year or so we're probably going to do a little cosmetic reboot here in the boss and try and make it a little bit more comfortable for us all right, that's our listener questions. I think we're gonna. I think this was successful. We may try this again soon. So if you have questions, please either email us at editor at rvmiles.com or send them to us on any direct message in social media or post them in the RV Miles Facebook group. We're gonna take a break, and when we come back, we're gonna talk Mount Rushmore. We're going to talk about some guys who have their faces on a mountain. Be right back. Mount Rushmore. Where do you want to start? You know... I ask you that and then I start. <laughs> yeah, thanks. <laughs> where to That's start? That's not where I want to start. <laughs> where to start with Mount Rushmore? Let's start at the very beginning. It's a very good place to start. Yes, it is. So Mount Rushmore is, you know, uh, I expected Mount Rushmore to be just sort of a quick stop. You look at it, you're done. And you can absolutely do that. And to an extent, that is what it is. But you can spend a decent day at Mount Rushmore. We it's, not a, a, it's not a place you're going to spend much more than a day, but you no. can spend a decent day there. We spent the day there. At least a half day. Absolutely. You could do a half day. You could do a full day. We spent almost a full day there. But part of our journey to Mount Rushmore, and I think this is a great place to start, is so we were coming from Custer State Park. And if you haven't had a chance to listen to our podcast on Custer, please do, because it is a fantastic jumping off point for several places, including Mount Rushmore. So we were coming from Custer and to get to Mount Rushmore from Custer, there's a couple of places, couple ways you can go. The 
most recommended scenic route is to take the Iron Mountain Road. Yeah, and you're not going to do this in a giant RV because you've no. got a lot of twisty, windy turns and small tunnels. But if you are, if you have your pickup truck separated from your trailer, or if you've got a, a towed vehicle that you can take on Iron Mountain Road, it's an excellent way. Even if you're coming like from Rapid City, like drive all the way south to Custer, get on Iron Mountain Road, and then go up to. Mount Rushmore. It's totally worth it because as we talked about on the episode where we talked about Iron Mountain Road, you get these awesome views of Mount Rushmore. The first time you see it, it's framed perfectly in a tunnel. And then you get to see it from the top of Iron Mountain. And then you get, uh, then you finish the drive at Mount Rushmore at the visitor center. I think it's just such a nice introduction to the park too, because you kind of continue to get these views of just the um, the sculpture itself and not really all of the other kitschy stuff that's going to come along with it, but and, just the sculpture. Yeah. And that is one of the things that we're going to talk about mostly here is the ways to avoid, avoid the kitschiness and the commercialism because that totally exists. And this is, I think, the best way is to have this first look at it from far away. And to be from that tunnel entrance, you know, you're coming out of the tunnel and what you see right in front of you way off in the distance is this sculpture. And for anyone who's going, you know, this is, I think, such an iconic National Park Service site. Everyone knows Mount Rushmore. So for that to be sort of your first viewing of it, you know, for me was very thrilling. It was thrilling for the kids. So that's a great kind of natural introduction to it because you're up there in the mountain and it just feels very national park to me. Now, once you get off that road, you're going to come into the park and it doesn't, there is no park fee. And I'm using air quotes here. I know you can't see them, but there's no park fee. But there's a parking fee. But there's a parking (laughs) fee and it's $10, which is not a big deal. I think it's more for an RV, but you can park an RV there. It is a big parking structure and you cannot use you don't get a uh, in free with your with any of your national park service passes you do have to pay to park regardless uh, but it, the the pass is good for a year so you pay to park then you walk in and when you walk in on the right is na- a little national park service kiosk with a tiny gift shop and, really nondescript like you yeah. almost blow right past it and then on the left is a sort of window kiosk operated by the friends of Mount Rushmore yeah, the or found, something. Whatever the one foundation of the, yeah. is that, uh, that works with Mount Rushmore to raise money for the memorial and keep it going. So one of the issues that you'll notice right off the bat is that there's sort of kind of a little bit of a power struggle between those two different entities, the national park service and this foundation. And they even have their own junior ranger programs. Yeah, it's very so different. So you'll be advertised this junior ranger program that you have to pay for because it's it's like an audio tour. You get a little cell phone and 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 headphones to to walk around and do this audio tour, but you have to pay for it. But that is not the only junior ranger program. It's just the only one that's advertised and you can go up to you know the rangers at at the desk and and get the actual National Park Service Junior Ranger program if you want to. I've heard the the one you pay for is actually really great. Yeah, and it 
that kiosk wasn't open yeah. when we got there. Um, I guess we are visited during off season because we were there in late September. And so a lot of stuff had kind of started to shut down. So one of the things that struck me immediately and was kind of my introduction to Mount Rushmore. So I go in to get the Junior Ranger booklets with the kids and we go into the little visitor center and, you know, we get our three booklets. And then I asked him, I said, could I get three pencils from you? We don't have ours on us. And he said, oh, you know what? We don't give out pencils here. You have to go over and buy them. We have at this point done 22 Junior Ranger booklets, which is a small fraction, I know, but we have never had to pay for pencils. And it's not so much that I had to pay for them. It was just the fact that this was sort of the introduction to Mount Rushmore in which do not expect the same level of I don't know what the word I'm looking for here is. It's not service, but it's just this, I don't know. It's not, it's not community. I don't know if that makes sense. You know, when the kids do their junior ranger booklets, it, and a lot of times we always talk about how great the rangers were with them and how they asked a lot of questions and everyone it was really engaged. That was not the vibe no. we got here. And the guy was very quick to say, oh, I know it's, Kind of he a hassle. says it a lot of times a day. I'm sure. Yes. But it's, and it's but not it goes just right buying back into pencils. The park. And who cares if buying pencils, no big deal, whatever. But it's also, you know, the pencils are are not super cheap and they're not sharpened and they have a $5 minimum for credit cards. So if you don't have cash, you got to buy at least $5 worth of stuff. So you got to find something else to buy to go with the pencils. And this gift shop has sharpened pencils and this one doesn't. By the way, there are three gift shops. <laughs> there are three there are gift three. shops at Mount Rushmore. So uh, you just get struck immediately with that little bit of commercialism. Then you walk further down the big walkway that leads you up to the memorial. And you can see it at this point. And there are two big buildings to the left and right, big sort of marble buildings. You think, oh, that's the visitor center. No, the one on the left is a massive gift shop bigger than any national park we've ever been to massive gift shop and the one on the right is a restaurant and an ice cream shop and apparently in the summer they also have like little uh like roving kiosks out on on the walkway as well like little you know vendor carts and things like that so there's just a lot of that and it feels really out of place it feels like i mean what i keep saying is if you imagine that at like the Lincoln Memorial in DC or something, we're all right out front. It's just a little weird out of place and sort of the commercialism of it takes you out of the whole idea that like, Oh, this is a place that we own. This is ours. This is a memorial to important people that founded our country, that shaped our country. And it kind of feels like private entities of various factors are trying to suck money out of us at it. And it's just, it's just a little off putting. Yeah, I completely agree. And actually Jason and I have been talking pretty extensively for the last several weeks since we left Mount Rushmore about this. Like what did we want to say on this podcast about Mount Rushmore? Because we recognize that it is such a popular and iconic national park service location. And for us, out of all of the places that we have visited and after all of the stories that we have told on America's National Parks podcast, 
the sculpture itself, if we take everything away, all of the kitschy, everything that makes it feel like an amusement park, and we look at the sculpture itself, the sculpture is a phenomenal piece of art. The etching, the detail, it's gorgeous to look at. It is lost amongst all of the commercialism that has surrounded Mount Rushmore. And that to me is not what the National Park Service is about. That's not what I want to engage with when I go to these places. I want to engage with the thing that we are protecting in a way that honors it and protects it as well. And I really struggled with that. And I know that people will say, well, you don't have to engage with that commercialism. You don't have to participate in it. You don't have to go spend $40 on ice cream. You're right. I don't. But it's so in my face from the minute I step into that space that I don't have a choice but to acknowledge that it's there. So for me, especially because we had just come from the Badlands, we had just come from Wind Cave, we had just had these sort of experiences that were very much what we feel the National Park is about. And then to finally make it to Rushmore, that that one that I've heard about my whole life that's been really hard for me to digest and i've heard other people say the sculpture itself was a letdown like it was smaller than they thought or something that not the case at all for me still blown away by the sculpture blown away by the way they created it and and when you actually do get to the visitor center which by the way is hidden underground when you get into the visitor center itself there is a nice little museum in there with a lot of information about the history of the carvings. There is a, uh, a a good park film with Tom Brokaw. I mean, you can't go wrong when Tom Brokaw <laughs> opens his mouth. You just start listening, right? But the good news is this. You can totally find ways to get away from the commercialism at Rushmore. There are a couple of ways. First of all, there is a nature trail that takes you from the parking lot area, from the very front, around... You don't go down the the big uh, walkway of flags or whatever they're calling it, which they're Avenue of Flags, Avenue which of is flags. currently getting a fourteen million dollar reboot. <laughs> oh, they're putting fourteen million. Well, the whole park is getting a fourteen. That's a one important yeah, thing I, to know. Yeah, the whole I park is getting a fourteen million dollar uh, upgrade, and uh, that's going to like uh, some. The artist studio is getting an elevator. It's a, it's it's, a lot of yes. it's a lot of ADA stuff. It's a lot of and elevators and, and ramps and things like that. But you can't what you can do is go on this nature trail and go around the outside away from the main walkway when you arrive or or even after you arrive and go up to the sculpture and come back. And you get to the historic viewpoint instead of the one that has been created for today, the historic viewpoint. When we went to it, nobody else there, none at all. And Mount Rushmore framed by trees instead of gift shops. It was really beautiful over there. And I wish that that had been our introduction as opposed to the commercial gift shop introduction. But I think, again, we need to recognize that we were there in the off season. By the time we even got there, the lighting ceremony had just ended. I think we actually got there on I think it was October 1st or 2nd. They had, they had ended the lighting ceremony. We were 24. Sunday yeah, we before. were 24 hours yeah. ahead of it or behind it. And 
I'm sure that in a, the busy season, it's not as quiet over no, in that the, area. Well, I'm say sure it's 25 packed. people show up for the lighting ceremony every night during the summer. 2,500. 2,500. You yeah, said 25. 2,500 people. 25 would be amazing. That's a lot. I mean, so that's the other thing. So there's a big amphitheater in front of Mount Rushmore where they have this ceremony. And, and one, that's another way you can avoid some of the crowd is to go down into the amphitheater, not during the lighting ceremony, but just during the day. Not many people take the time to go down there and view the sculpture from down there. A cool thing about this area, though, was that there were deer yeah. just walking down the path. They were down in the amphitheater. Yeah, you, didn't, you don't expect to see wildlife at Mount Rushmore. But, but, but they're know. there because we are in yeah. their home and they're going to use their home. And if you can get up and close, if you can get up close and personal with it, it is a really fantastic piece of art. And one of the ways that you can do that is by taking the presidential trail. Yeah. So you might go to Rushmore and think, uh, the last thing I was expecting to do here was to hike a trail. And this isn't a trail. No, it's a it's little misleading a, to call it a trail. Yeah. Uh, what this is, is a, it's sort of a, a loop walk that, that gets you to the closest you can possibly get to, to Rushmore right at the base of it. And again, maybe like, 15% of the people that come to Rushmore actually do this. So you can get away from everybody. You can get as close as possible. So there's nothing between you and the view. And there are some cool little nooks and crannies to see it from. They have a children's learning area back there, which was closed when we were there, but uh, it closes in the off season. Uh, but the presidential trail, it, it's a big loop that comes around, goes around one side and comes back down to Gutsum Borglum, the sculptor, uh, his studio, and you can tour the studio. Right now, the studio is closed and half of the presidential trail is closed. And uh, assuming they'll be done with construction of that at some point, they started a, this $14 million project earlier this year, and they said it was going to take 20 months. So, you know, who knows? It probably after the end of next year, it, it'll all be done with construction but the construction was not in the way at all now they are going to be doing construction on the main walkway and that is going to get in, in the way a little bit but again the main walkway is so darn commercial that who cares <laughs> i mean really like there's to me there's no difference than the in the three gift shops than if you put a bunch of construction equipment in the middle of it it's the same thing so get up and get up close and personal in one of those different ways the other thing i want to mention a little bit. They gloss over a little bit about the sculptor Guts and Borglum himself. And so while the visitor center and Mount Rushmore itself gives a pretty great overview of how Mount Rushmore was created and what they did to blast into the mountain and create this beautiful piece of art, it does fail to mention some of the darker colors that go along with this. Like the artist's past and some of his affiliations with some not so fantastic hate groups, how Teddy Roosevelt kind of got on there, the way they picked these things. There's a lot of politics that went into this sculpture that is not present at Mount Rushmore. And I would encourage anyone to just learn a little bit more about it because I think you need that complete overview 
about why the National Park Service protects this the way that it does, how it came to be. It's a little disheartening, I'm not going to lie, when you start to dig into the artist's past. Yeah, but you know but what? But you need to know these things, and, yeah, and I wish they would be more upfront about I do that so. there. And I think they could, because for me, it has never really been about the sculptor. It has been, I mean, yes, it's a monumental achievement, but to me, most of that achievement is the actual workers that did the actual sculpting hanging off the side of a mountain, blasting into it. Yeah, the kind of work conditions. Nobody died, which is amazing for a construction project like this. And just the the presidents themselves, they all represent different eras eras in, in history, different turning points in America. I don't know anything about who sculpted the the Lincoln Memorial. Uh, I'm sure, it, of course, it's an amazing sculpture, and I'm sure I should know more about it. But I don't need so much about the sculpture at Mount Rushmore if you're going to gloss over the bad parts of, of well, it. Well, here's, here's what it comes down to, and I'm just going to be completely honest. This is what it comes down to. This is an incredible tourist draw, an international tourist draw, yeah. only going to show you the pretty. And that's what they do there. They show you the pretty. But see, I think there are other places where they do an excellent job of showing you all sides. Absolutely. Especially when it comes to sort of some some indigenous people history. Absolutely. And, uh, but I think you have to take into consideration, again, the kind of moneymaker that Mount Rushmore is on a completely international level. Yeah. And I can't go into numbers because I don't have them, but there is certainly a much different feel to going to Mount Rushmore than there is to say going to Bandelier or going to yeah. Aztec. Yeah. Going to Yeah. You know do you understand what I'm saying? Like Anyway, to wrap this up, Mount Rushmore is an excellent place to go. I don't really have much of a desire to go back again, but I'm very glad I went. And I'm very glad that I was able to, you know, take the kids and have sort of that family road trip experience of visiting Mount Rushmore. Yeah, because I will say this, that while you and I have had our own personal conflicts that we have talked quietly about with each other and now here on this podcast, we have tried very hard not to have this particular kind of conversations around the kids because they really loved going to Mount Rushmore. Yeah. And they really enjoyed it. They're like really obsessed with presidents right now. They are. Because of it. And... I didn't want my grown-up feelings to take over their childhood wonder at being at this place. Yeah. And there was a lot of that in, going in on particular, for in, in particular, we're not talking about the sculptor issue right now. We're talking about no, no. the commercialism yes. issue and our frustrations with that. Yes, thank you for we, We're happy that. to talk to our children about, about those more difficult conversations. conversations. So I'm torn. I'm torn with this fact that I had a wonderful time with my kids and and watching them experience this and then the moments that I experienced it with them and through them and then what I was left feeling with you know I had looked forward to this all my life 
you know, this was always the one National Park Service. I didn't know about the National Park Service growing up. And that giddiness I felt when I saw it through the tunnel for the first time on Iron Mountain Road as as we approached and how quickly all of that childhood wonder for me just got stripped right away. Maybe it wouldn't have had we known about all this stuff in advance. So maybe, maybe, I mean, hopefully now that you, that we're telling you this stuff, hopefully you can experience, know what you're getting into, know some of the traps to avoid and get some of those distant views from Iron Mountain Road. Yeah. And just know that just because Thomas Jefferson wrote the first recipe for ice cream does not give anyone the right to charge the amount that they charge for ice cream there. I'm sorry. Just because they're using Thomas Jefferson's recipe does not mean they get to charge. Thomas Jefferson would be horrified if he knew how much you were charging for your ice cream. Yeah. The end. Yeah. <laughs> we we'll gloss over a few things about Thomas Jefferson's life as well while we're at it here. But um, anyway, Mount Rushmore is it's it's a great place to stop. You got to see it for sure. But look, the Black Hills is so much more. Absolutely. There's Custer, there's Wind Cave, there's the Badlands going into the Black Jewel Hills. Jewel Cave. Jewel Cave. You can do an entire tour of... And Crazy just, Horse, which we didn't get to do. We did not either. do Crazy Horse. Um, so we would highly encourage you, if you haven't listened to some of our past episodes on the Black Hills, and if you're ending this podcast being like, oh man, what a Debbie Downer. I'm like, not going there. Don't, please don't take that as... As fact, go back. There's so many other things you can do. And you know what? Your experience at Mount Rushmore may be different than ours. Everyone experiences the national parks in a different way. No one person's experience in a park is the same. So know what you know. If you're going to be in that area, go. It's worth going. Don't drive past it. Go. And then I would love to know how you felt after you left. So if you go, email us and tell me because I'd love to hear it. Let's wrap this episode up with a brain teaser. There is a dead man in the middle of a field. Nothing's near him, and there are no footprints of any sort. There's a package that hasn't been opened next to him. How did the man die? Hint, as he got closer to the field, he knew he was going to die. Wow, this is quite the Halloween-themed <laughs> brain teaser for this week. If you happen to know the answer, send us an email at editor at rvmiles.com or a direct message on any of our social media, and we'll enter you into the drawing for a Not All Who Wander or Lost t-shirt. Yes, we will. And also, if you are enjoying the podcast, as we hope you are every single week, We would love it if you would share us around your social media channels or around your next campfire or just let the guy next to you while you guys are all sitting in traffic trying to get to work in the morning. Just let that guy know, like, ask him, are you listening to RV Miles? Because I'm listening to it right now. Yeah, that's not weird at all. People love that. (laughs) But whatever you do. Thank you. I roll my window down when Bohemian Rhapsody (laughs) is on for other people to hear, but you can roll it down for RV Miles. Yes, absolutely. Especially during the Mount Rushmore segment because it was so uplifting and everyone wants to listen to that on their way to work in the morning. So thank you so very much for listening this week. We love having you here. And until next week, everyone, keep logging those RV Miles. Bye. Bye.